You're listening to Recovery Survey, the podcast that shatters stigmas around different types of addictions and takes a deep dive into spiritual principles. I was too busy being young and invincible. I wasn't ready to face them, so I ran. At first, it was fun. The chase, it was part of the game. Always racing after the next high, looking for the next drug, another trophy for the collection. Hunter S. Thompson, he would have been proud, but for all the wrong reasons. I would have held my own had we crossed paths. I learned a lot from my own fear and loathing after growing up in Las Vegas. My guest today is named Jay Maxwell. He is an artist and a poet, and he's here today to share about his recovery journey and his new book, Sober Thoughts from the Crazy House. Welcome to the show, Jay. So I'm Jay Maxwell. Thank you all for having me. Thank you all for listening. When I was a kid, I had some physical traumas. Uh, One when I was nine that almost killed me. Uh, I'm not going to get into the gory details because it's it's a little little rough around the edges. Um, It involved a pool and I got impaled. I'll leave it at that. I'll let y'all's minds wander on that one. And uh, that was interesting. Had an out-of-body experience while I was on the table. That was fun. Not really. And then whenever I was 11, I was uh, sledding backwards. Not a good idea. Don't do it. It's just don't do it. Somebody was smart enough to sit in the middle of the sledding hill. And I hit him and fractured my neck. So, yeah, back problems at a young age. Uh, PTSD from both of them. PTSD, for those of you who don't know, is post-traumatic stress disorder. It can be something that's caused from physical abuse, mental abuse, emotional abuse, or a collection of the three. In my case, it was physical uh, trauma, not necessarily abuse. So, yeah, that was kind of some experiences I had growing up. And then when I got into high school, I ended up having coming down with uh, the fancy name was chronic idiopathic urticaria. Uh, it's a really fancy way of saying hives with no known cause. Anybody who has like allergic reactions that gets hives knows that one, it's a little grotesque and two, it's super uncomfortable. So in high school, when everybody's like really vain and kind of a shit, having that constantly breaking out on your face, your arms everywhere, um, while you're going through all the hormonal shit and just trying to fit in and just be comfortable with yourself, it just really sucked. So I was like super depressed and I was very uh, reclusive. So kind of a collection of the depression, the PTSD, all that led to my first psychotic break while I was in high school. Um, watched myself hallucinating. Obviously, I was hallucinating myself at the front of a classroom, sitting against a wall, bleeding out because my skin had torn open from the hives, which was like a fear of mine while I had them. So yeah, that was cool. Um, (laughs) And then all of that kind of led me to be uh, a little kind of messed up in the head because, you know, 
can only take so much, right? And like I know plenty of other people been through like way more. This isn't like a pissing contest. I'm not saying that what I didn't go through or what I did go through is uh anything to snuff at, but you know, everybody's got their story, but uh the, that's mine. So when I got to college and I finally got out of my my parents' house, like my parents were like really restrictive, mostly my mom. And uh I finally had freedom. So I kind of became an alcoholic in like two months. <laughs> and then that spun off into me trying anything and everything under the sun. I tried like five or six different drugs in my first semester of college and became a pretty big pothead. And eventually that spun off into abusing hallucinogens on the regular, um, which Anybody who knows anything about psychology, hallucinogens, when, when mixed with like bipolar disorder, which is what I actually had, and PTSD, doesn't really go too well. <laughs> so that was interesting. Definitely went too far with those a few times. Uh, I have some buddies that will definitely attest to that. A lot of fun, but... A lot of not so fun. And then eventually I got into cocaine and that was like my biggest downfall. I was doing an eight ball a night by myself, like multiple times a week. And then I moved out to Dallas. Uh, I didn't have dealers out here because I didn't know anybody out in Dallas. Mind you, most of my drug habits were all in Reno, uh, Reno, Nevada, and uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Grew up in Las Vegas. Yeah, so college was kind of a shit show. It's a wonder that I graduated. Um, like, truly a wonder that I graduated. Pretty sure a few of my professors are a little amazed, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, now I'm, uh, after 12 years of battling, addiction of multiple sorts. I'm uh, a year sober and uh, I just released a book kind of talking about my mental illness, it, mental illnesses and uh, my battle with addiction. So that's, that's my intro. Awesome, man. Well, congratulations on a year. That's, it's a big deal, man. I know that for a lot of us, you know, a week is, is a milestone. So a year is, is not anything to, to scoff at. I'd love to, to kind of dive into the book a little bit more. Obviously I don't want you to give away too much because I want the listeners to pick up a copy for themselves, but I'd love to, to dig in a little bit more and kind of get a little more specifics on, on what's in that book. Yeah. Okay. So, um, like I said, uh, and briefly, it talks about mental illness. It talks about addiction. Um, those are like the main focuses. I have pieces in there that are dedicated wholly to like specific types of illnesses. Um, there's a piece in there. It's titled Bipolar is My Baseline. There's a piece in there titled Anxiety Blows. <laughs> uh, there's other pieces that are dedicated more to the addiction side of it, which... Uh, you know, I tried to balance it pretty evenly because they both played a major part in the process. Like, you know, I started out as a mentally ill individual and then I self-medicated. And in my self-medicating, I became an addict. 
Cause like, you know, starting out drugs and alcohol, like for somebody who doesn't know how to cope with their mental illness or even recognize they have a mental illness, they start out as something that helps because, you know, they finally find that sense of calm, that sense of hope, that sense of peace that they didn't know before. And then slowly it becomes more of like a crutch that they have to lean on. And then it becomes something that it's not just a crutch. It's, it's an, it's a necessity. Like without that crutch, they're just going to fall flat on their damn face. And well, I kind of did that. So, (laughs) um, I ended up going to jail one night, which considering all the shit, like there was a point in time where I was selling weed that I would traffic over state lines which is a felony for those of you who don't know, to support my coke habit. So like the fact that I only spent one night in jail and I didn't end up dead after all of the shit that I did is also kind of like surprising (laughs) Um, to say the least. So as far as the book goes, it's titled Sober Thoughts from the Crazy House. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. It's $8 plus shipping. It was published by Dumpster Fire Press. It's a small press. Um, I thought that was a really fitting small press. Given the name, I was like, oh, well. <laughs> so kind of kind of had to go with that one. Um, at least try to go with that one. And they, they seemed to think that my uh, collection fit which was really cool because this is my first time trying to publish. So that was pretty badass. The first, first place I hit up, first time I tried doing it, it was a success, which I feel pretty blessed on that one. So if you'd like, I can read a few of the pieces. That would be great, man. I was actually going to ask if, if you would mind reading a few that are your favorite, kind of give the audience a, a little sample of, of what you've written. Okay. Well, there's one that I've been reading at uh, some open mics um, over the past uh, couple months that it's been out. Uh, It's a poem that I spent several months writing. It's something that uh, I started writing during my rehab program. So I was in rehab for uh, six weeks. It was an outpatient program that focused not only on addiction, but also on mental health, which was perfect for me because that's exactly what I needed. So, and I did that during the pandemic, which everybody was like, bro, you're trying to get sober during the pandemic. Are you fucking nuts? I was like, honestly, with all this free time on my hand, this gives me all the opportunity to focus on just myself. I don't have to worry about work. I don't have to worry about anything but me. So if anything, it made more sense to me because otherwise I'd be taking time off work to do this, which would have stressed me out like a lot. And I didn't want to deal with that Um, because at the time I was technically furloughed. So I was kind of like, well, shit, I might as well. Otherwise, I'm just going to be sitting around doing drugs all the time. (laughs) like, And uh, if I'm not making money like from a job, one, I'm going to feel like a total bum because, like, at that point, I'm really being a mooch. Like, no offense to anybody out there who might be doing that. 
that's that's my opinion of how I would feel about myself. That is not a judgment of anybody else. Just to clear that up, everybody's got the reasons and problems. I'm not a judgmental individual. Let me say this: literally, everybody I know still drinks and or does drugs, or both. So um, it's it's not. It's not that big a deal to me. Um, everybody has their reasons. Everybody has, you know, their their opinions on it. I uh, I try to keep to focusing on myself with it because that's all I can worry about. And anybody who's gone through any kind of program knows that. So for those of you listening that have been through a program, you get what I'm saying. For those of you we're thinking about one, you'll learn what I'm saying. So this one is called running. We all have our demons. Mine made me run and run and run until I realized that's all I'd been doing. And every time I looked back, they were still right there, chasing me to an early grave. After chasing shots with shots and chopping line after line, indulging the ritual time after time, never knowing where to draw the line, never believing that the smoke could get too thick, spending night after night making myself sick, and day after day trying to keep my demons at bay, to keep them from getting hold and dragging me down, never seeing that I was just beating them. I was too busy being young and invincible. I wasn't ready to face them. So I ran. At first, it was fun. The chase, it was part of the game. Always racing after the next high, looking for the next drug, another trophy for the collection. Hunter S. Thompson, he would have been proud, but for all the wrong reasons. I would have held my own had we crossed paths. I learned a lot from my own fear and loathing after growing up in Las Vegas. I ran for over a decade getting further and further from the truth, deluding myself with anything but reality. I kept blaming and shaming, failing and wailing, bailing and railing, feeling trapped in a cage I made single-handedly with the skeleton of my former self, keeping me company, watching me run in place behind bars. Every now and then a sober thought would surface. It can't be everyone else. And if it's not everyone else, it must be me. Not a realization you want to face when you're an eight ball deep into the night with a bottle of turkey to drown the edge. So like any good addict, I kept running. I was my own biggest problem, my own worst enemy, my greatest downfall. All my skeletons in the closet kept trying to open the door, kept trying to invite me in, kept nagging at my conscience. So I kept bottling with the bottle and ignoring their call, thinking I could outrun them all. Too much was never enough, and I'd already beaten death once, so I could do it again, right? The rush of feeling invincible, the high of beating mortality, the unbridled euphoria of running along the line. I was ready for that moment, to lock eyes with the reaper once more, to have another dance with fate. That's what I told myself. And the lie, 
it's always more beautiful and simpler to swallow. I didn't know what else to do. And I couldn't say no because I kept wanting to run, even though I had nowhere to go. Nowhere but deeper into the hole, deeper into the darkness of denial. And denial, it isn't just a river in Egypt, but damn it, does it flow the same way. Muddy and dangerous, the current can pull you under. And if the water doesn't kill you, its inhabitants will. Lately, I've been reflecting on who I am and who I was, where I'm going and where I've been, how I got here and where I could be, wrestling with my thoughts. It's an improvement from getting in fistfights with brick walls. You see, I liked hitting things I couldn't break because I wouldn't be held accountable for the damage. The only thing that would break was me, and I was already broken. So when would it be time to pick up the pieces, to put myself back together? When was it time to see the truth in all the lies, to tear walls down, rip door from hinge, and bear the skeletons of my closet to the very last bone? When would it dawn on me that the sun will shine on despite the shadows? When was it time to rejoin the world and see the light? When will I learn to face myself? Today. Today is the day. Carpe fucking diem. The time is now. Tomorrow never comes to those who wait. An opportunity rarely comes knocking. No one else is going to save me, especially when I didn't want to be saved. Time to change course for new horizons. Take a deep breath and plunge headfirst to the stars and toward my dreams. The ones I lost sight of. The ones I told myself I couldn't reach. No more running away. It's time to stare down my demons and take hold of my sanity. This is my life and I only get one. And it's up to me to be the change I want to see. The only running I'm doing now is chasing dreams. Man, I have I have goosebumps on my arms right now. You, you probably can't see them because my web camera is terrible. But man, that was very powerful. And just the the picture in my head as you were reading that that you were painting with those words was was phenomenal, man. And I I resonated with that with that poem. And it I feel like it kind of tells the you know I know it's about your journey and your your story, but man, like there's so many parallels to my story. And I think a lot of people can relate to just what it's like to struggle with addiction and, and mental health and, and the different things that you were painting there in, in that poem. That was, that was fantastic. Thank you so much. I uh, truly appreciate that. I am very happy to hear that it resonated. Um, the, the whole point of it is for it to resonate. Like, Obviously, yeah, I wrote it to tell my story, but it's not meant to just be for me. Like, that's one of my favorite things about poetry is even though the person who wrote it wrote it for them, well, nine times out of 10, they wrote it for themselves. They wrote it for their audience to connect to it and take from it what they will. So for anybody who heard that, who connected to it, that's for you too. And the fact that you took something from that and that you felt a connection and felt that there were parallels, that's intentional. Like I, that was, that was a goal. So the fact that you're telling me that, that it's really fucking cool to hear that 
I achieved that goal. So thank you for giving me some confirmation on that. Absolutely, man. I think that, you know, a lot of us, that's one of the, that's one of the beautiful things that I've found, at least with being a part of like a 12 step fellowship is just that connection and, you know, hearing other people's stories and finding that camaraderie, finding that, you know, while, uh, while the details of our stories might be different, like we still have a lot of those same feelings. We've gone through a lot of the same situations. You know, we, we all struggle with that low self-esteem, that low self-worth. Um, you know, we all have those doubts about ourselves. And, you know, that's one of the beautiful things about recovery is we're given that second chance. And and like you were saying there at the end, you know, those lost dreams are, are reawakened and, and we have the opportunity to try to pursue those things that, that we may have forgotten about or that we that we didn't think that we could accomplish. And man, that's, that's one of the reasons that I love doing this podcast is just trying to share that message. And, you know, it's, it's hard not to get fired up sometimes because my life has changed so much because of recovery. And I'm, I, I really am like, it's hard to put it into words, but I really am grateful for this. You know, I'm grateful for this opportunity. I'm grateful today that I don't have to pick up that bottle or, or that, that pipe or whatever it is, man, to get me through. So Thank you for sharing that, man. It really, it, it did fire me up and I, I, I really do feel blessed and humbled to have you on the show today, man. Thank you again. Absolutely. And I, I feel blessed and humbled to be here because like you, um, I'm that, like the ending of that poem, like I said, it took me a few months to write it, but that ending was, that's, that was the first ending. Like poems, a lot of the time they go through like multiple drafts and like the ending will change or you know, sometimes like half of it gets scrapped and you end up, it's almost a completely new poem by the time it's uh, finished. That ending was always that ending. Because <laughs> um, as soon as I got sober, I was real, like you said, reawakened. Um, I, I finally got re in touch with my muse. Um, I started writing again, I started making art again. And now, like, that's like, for lack of a better term, that's my new addiction, is my art and my writing. It's, it's my favorite addiction. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it keeps me going. It keeps me moving. It doesn't cost me. Well, that's not true. Art is expensive. For those of you who don't know, art costs money. <laughs> um, I, uh, I just bought a bunch of prints to sell it. Uh, a vendor event that's uh, next weekend. So for those of you in DFW, um, if you check out my Instagram and Facebook, I'll share that at the end. You guys can uh, maybe stop by my booth and pick up a copy of the book, look at some of my visual art, maybe get a print or two. Awesome, man. We'll kind of stay in that same, uh, that same train of thought. I, I love to ask the guests, you know, what are some of the benefits that they've seen since they got clean or sober or whatever terminology it is that you choose to use? What are some of the benefits that you've seen in your life? What are some of the areas that have improved, you know, kind of give, give somebody that may be on the fence thinking about trying this thing out, uh, give them that hope shot. Like what is, what does life look like today for you? I mean, I've always been kind of a jaded individual since I was a kid. I think that has a lot to do with some of the shit that I went through when I was younger. Um, so I'm still jaded, but I'm not nearly as jaded before, like every day sucked all the time. The only time it didn't suck was when I was like stupid high on something 
if I, if I couldn't get coke, if I, then I'd, I'd get totally faced on weed. And if I didn't have weed, then I would get, you know, drunk as shit on a bottle. Um, and in, in Nevada at the time, Nevada, you can get liquor 24 seven. So I was always fucked up. That was the only way I got through the day. And now I can actually enjoy my days. Like I, I can actually say I enjoy more days than not. And I don't have to be fucked up to do it. Um, I can actually see the bright side of things without somebody having to like twist my arm to get there. It's not, you know, I no longer see the world through this jaded filter. It's like I can see clearly again. I can appreciate the roses for being just, just being roses and not just looking at them and be like, oh, well, they're just fucking roses. No, they're fucking roses. Like, <laughs> like you know, um, that's probably my favorite thing. My next favorite thing is my relationships with my wife specifically, who was probably my biggest inspiration to get sober. She's been sober for two and a half years. She's beat, got me beat by a year and a half. Not that it's a competition by any means, but she started it and uh, finally got me on board. Not as like a, you have to do it sort of thing. Like she always encouraged that I had to do it for me. Well, she didn't always encourage that. At first she wanted it because she knew it was best for me, which she was right, but she would be you know, a bit more uh, stern about it. She was argumentative about it. You know, it, it created problems. And finally she let go and it's just like, look, if you don't want it, then it's not going to work anyways. You got to want it for you. So until you want it for you, uh, you know, fuck it. I'm not, I'm not having this conversation anymore. And like that kind of jogged me a little. It was like all of a sudden, like we weren't having our, weekly arguments about it we weren't getting nitpicky with each other about bullshit and you know related to it it was just all right you know you're fucked up again good job and it kind of got left at that <laughs> and you know once once that happened once i realized that i did have to want it for me then i had to really consider like why didn't i want it you know what what was so bad about the idea of sobriety and it wasn't the idea of sobriety at all. It was the idea of myself sober. And I didn't like the idea of myself sober because I didn't like myself. So I've actually learned to love myself again, which in this past year before that, I, I don't remember the last time I actually loved myself, which is, is key. Because until you know how to love yourself, you can't know how to love anybody else properly. I'm a firm believer of that whether you agree with me or not is totally up to you. But if you don't love yourself, it's really hard to know how to love someone else because you don't know how to do it to number one. So um, it's definitely helped with my relationship with my wife, with my friends, with my family. I have kind of rekindled and fixed a lot of, relationships that were kind of faltering because I was keeping everybody at arm's reach because like as an addict, like whenever you're so far along with your addiction, 
I'm sure a lot of us, you know, we, we push people away because we don't want people to know like, oh yeah, this is, this is how bad it is guys. Cause we know as soon as somebody finds out, they're going to be like, well, what the fuck are you doing? And we don't want to have that conversation because we'd much rather just keep doing what we're doing. Cause for some reason we think it's working, even though it's not, it's the devil we know. Right. So I've kind of come clean on a lot of stuff with friends and parents. Like my parents know a lot of little dark secrets they didn't know before. That was a uh, several fun conversations, but uh, because of it, uh, we have a far closer relationship now because now they finally understand what I was going through and why I was the way I was and why we didn't share these moments the way we should have or could have could have is a better way of saying that so those are probably the ones that i share best is loving myself better relationships and uh being able to appreciate just the little things awesome man well we're kind of getting towards the end and you you mentioned it earlier but i would love to give you the opportunity to share how the listeners can get in contact with you, where they can get your book. You mentioned Instagram and Facebook. So go ahead and, uh, and plug your stuff, man. So on Instagram, it's J Maxwell, all one word, J M A X W E L L dot art and writing all one word, A R T A N D W R I T I N G. And then on Facebook, it's j.maxwell-writer-and-illustrator. And if you have Twitter, it's uh, jmaxwell, all, on, all one word, underscore writer. And again, the book is on Amazon. It might be a little hard to find because it's new and it's not not a really well-known piece of literature yet so if you can't find it uh, i got links on my pages or you can always message me and uh, i'll be able to direct you to it or if you're in the dfw area and you want to buy a copy direct i'm more than willing to uh, set that up we can either meet an event uh, that i'm going to be at or i can mail it to you I'll do personalized copies for those of you who are interested and uh, yeah, appreciate, uh, appreciate the, uh, the time on, on here with you, man. This has been great. Absolutely, man. I'm glad that we were able to connect and finally, you know, sit down for a few minutes and, and record this episode. And uh, as always, I'll put the links for those uh, different social media platforms and the Amazon and all that. I'll have that in the show notes. Uh, and I believe that you also mentioned at one point that you're working on a couple other books, maybe, uh, let the listeners know what else you're working on and kind of tease some, uh, upcoming, upcoming books. Oh yeah, totally. Um, so beyond, uh, writing about mental illness and addiction, I also like writing about nature and philosophy. Uh, I've always been really into the naturalist movement, um, in poetry. And I was a philosophy major in high school or college, rather, that one. <laughs> and uh, so I like to try and blend the two a little bit. So I'm working on a collection of poetry dedicated to that. And then I'm also working on a sequel 
to sober thoughts from the crazy house because uh well i got more on mental health and uh addiction that i gotta say so both of those are going to be coming out probably next year and then i'm also working on a spoken word album which i have all the pieces together i just got to get some recording software and uh set up at home so gotta gotta get on that but other than that um like i said i'm also a visual artist and you can see a lot of my work on on my instagram that's where i post most of my visual stuff as well as uh newer poetry that i've been working on at least the shorter stuff because long poetry on instagram it's just a pain Awesome. Well, I really do appreciate you coming on the show today. And uh, as those new books and stuff come out, be sure to, to we'll, we'll be sure to stay in touch and I'll post those on, on our social media as well so that the listeners can hopefully stay in touch if they don't, for whatever reason, follow you, which I don't know why they wouldn't because I've been on your, on your social media pro- profiles and you have some really cool stuff that you're sharing on there. So, but I'll be sure to, to, to post that on my end as well to, to help get the word out when those new books come out. So thank you, Jay, for coming on the show today. I really do appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. Hey, this has been a pleasure and uh, you have a great day. Jay, thank you again for coming on the show today and being so vulnerable and sharing some of your poetry with us. I really appreciate it. Be sure to follow him on social media so you can stay up to date on all of his projects. You've been listening to Recovery Survey. If you got anything out of today's episode, I'd ask you to please leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us at recoverysurvey.com. You can listen to all of our episodes on the website as well as connect with us on social media where you can get previews for upcoming episodes.